collect it. But without further ado, why don't you give it up for Nick and Emily Mayo, Daniel and Amanda Vanderclock, and my wife, Abby. So we're going to be, we're normally not on stage, but since we're sitting on couches, uh, we thought we would uh, come on stage so the people in the back can see, right? People in the back. If you're in the back, raise your hands. People in the back. You're not less, you're, you're not less than anyone else, okay? People in the back. You're not less than anyone else. Come on, baby, get up here. Get up here. Okay, what are some idea names for the baby? Like, what would you name the baby? If Bobby. Bobby. Awesome. <laughs> Travis. Napoleon. Thunder. Okay, that's enough. So, uh, so how this is going to work is I'm actually going to turn this a little bit more so I, can, so I can see the questions. And that's going to hurt your neck after a while, I think, if you have to keep look, looking back there. You can, go on the, you can go on your phone as well and look at them if you want to. So... We're going to go right off, but before we go into the questions, I want to give uh, Daniel, Pastor Daniel and Amanda just an opportunity to share a little bit about your story, who you are, and for anyone who's never heard you preach or talk, um, just share a little bit about your, you, your family, your marriage. My name is Daniel. I am highly, highly blessed. I've been here for a long time and I have the world's greatest wife. Um, we, it's, it's just true, but uh, she moved up here June, roughly June 5 of 2008, and I, oh, sorry, 2005, we got, started dating in 2008, we keep, keep things straight there, but, um, and we got to hang out a bunch then, and almost dated then, and then didn't, and then we're friends, we started uh, dating in 2008 for a whopping three weeks, and then I proposed, and we were engaged for seven weeks. And then we've now been married for 10 years, and it is awesome. Anything you would like to add detail-wise? I really like him. Seven-week engagement. Yep. That's right. You really took marry or burn. You really took that one scripture to heart. I'm just messing, Danielle. It's awesome. So um, next, you guys know Nick and Emily. So Nick, why don't you just tell a little bit about your story and, and Emily, any part of the story that you want to tell that he leaves out. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you share a little bit? So Emily and I, uh, we actually met here at Access, uh, at Res, and uh, it was back in 2012 we met. At first, I thought that she was much younger than she actually was, so I thought she was really cool, but I was like, uh, a little young, I'm not going to... And, and then later on, through a course of different actions, we actually found out that we were closer to each other's age. I found out, I I found out yeah. <laughs> she, she knew that she was closer to my age the entire time. She knew how old she was. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so we, we, uh, we went through what I would call like a, a season of courting each other, of just really getting to know each other um, without the, the, you know, dating aspect. We were going on dates in a, in a way. We would go out to like uh, um, parks. We actually ran into Jake and Abby and their dog was attacking geese, which is <laughs> we're like, what is that noise back there? And, and I was like, hey, it's Jake. And, hey. <laughs> their little dog was attacking all the, the ducks and stuff. So after, after a season of just really getting to know each other and, and kind of taking it slow, then we stepped into an actual dating relationship. We dated for six months, were engaged for six months, and then were married nearly a year after we started dating. Um, June 28th uh, is our anniversary, and we've been married for going on five years now, which is awesome. Yeah. I just want to add to that that um, we started dating, I would say, the, the week that you helped me move to Lansing. Right? Would you agree with that? No. No, okay. You would. <laughs> we started talking. We started talking. We didn't really we talk. We started talking, yes. Okay. Oh, that's right, because I moved in April. Okay, <laughs> sorry. There was two months of there where we were talking, but we didn't start dating until after I moved from Grand Rapids to Lansing. So our entire dating and um, engagement was long distance, but by an hour. But yeah. <laughs> Still long distance, no matter what. <laughs> All right. Very cool. So we're um, so, and really, what we're gonna we're, we're hoping for is a conversation here, 
As we talked about last week, the Bible doesn't necessarily talk about dating as, as we in our culture date. So it's really important that we hear multiple perspectives of how to do this in a healthy way, but also in a practical way. So we don't want to speak at a high level. We want to speak at a very practical level in this conversation. And we're going to hope to have as much of a conversation as we can um, in front of 140 people. So, uh, and so what I want to start with is, is Daniel and Amanda. So what's the best piece of advice for those who are in a season of singleness? The best piece of advice. Don't wait until you found the person that you want to marry to start to become the person that they'd want to marry. Um, a lot of times, pe- people are, are sitting here and they're like, well, I'm just single, so I'm just going to do whatever I want. And they don't start working on their character. They don't start working on their finances. And then you'll talk to this guy. He's like, I met the girl. She's amazing. And like, we, we started dating. And I'm like, awesome. And he's like, I'm going to have to start saving for a ring. What have you been doing for the last five years? You were single. Like, um, so like start working on, on those kind of things where you're going, okay, well, when I get married, when this season does come to an end, what do I want to have done? Well, I want to have worked on my character. I want to have worked on my relationship with God. I want to have worked on my finances. I want to work on how I handle um, conflict, finances, communication. Start working on those now so that you are ready when you do find the person Um, that you want to marry. And I would say get around people who have a relationship that you want so that you can see, like, learn what do you look for. Because that can be kind of tricky, too, when you're in the single... Like, how do you know what a good marriage looks like if you didn't grow up with one? I didn't grow up with a good marriage example in my life, so I had to look for other people and stalk them, really. (laughs) Like, ooh, look at how cute they are. Oh, they're so... Oh, I'm following them. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see, like, how do you make a relationship that lasts? How do you make a relationship where you like each other? All the relationships I saw growing up, they were irritated with each each other, and they were sarcastic with each other. Um, And there were just so many... So much about marriage that was so unappealing. So when I found people who had good marriages, I just hung out with them a lot and asked questions and uh, just happened to be standing next to them a lot, <laughs> kind of stalked them. But it really, that really helped me to see, like, wow, people can be married and love their life. People can be married and love Jesus, and they can do life together. It doesn't have to be this, he's off here, she's off there. You know, just seeing this unity I thought was really valuable, too. One last thought. There are some that are like really wanting to be in their state of singleness. Um, If your goal isn't to stay single, don't hide in your basement. Um, I have talked to people and they're like, I am waiting for God to deliver me a man. And I'm like, where do you encounter people? (laughs) And they're like, we have girls nights constantly. I'm like, well, when is, when do you, where do you fi- where's the guy going to find you? They're like, I don't know. God's going to bring him. I'm like, so you're expecting the pizza delivery man to be your knight in shining armor because he's the only one who's going to find you there. Um, if, if you're not wanting to be the president of the Single for Life Club, um, you may have to encounter humans of the opposite gender. Like, just throwing that out there because um, it, it helps. Nick or Emily, did you have anything you wanted to add to that at all? The original question, not the pizza delivery guy. No, I think they, they answered it really well. What's the best advice in the season of singleness? It's good. Next question. How do you keep God first in the relationship? What does that look like in your, I'm assuming that's your, in your life? How do you keep God first in the relationship? Nick and Emily, do you guys want to, what are your thoughts on on keeping God first? Yeah, I mean, I guess this one, this one really pairs well with the last question is going, if you don't, if you don't start a consistent habit of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in singleness, it's very, very difficult 
to establish, not impossible, but very difficult to establish within a relationship is because now you're trying to put the needs of somebody else in front of yours and, and you didn't learn to put the, the kingdom of God before yourself in singleness. So I, I think for, at least for, for us, it really started in the single process of, of just building a relationship, of just being ravished by the Lord, of just really going, I, I want to know the face of the Lord as best as I possibly can. I want to go into scripture, not just to read and do my Christian duty, but uh, to really find and encounter the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, and in doing that in singleness, it was much easier to carry on into uh, our relationship. It was actually, for a while, it, it's part of the reason why it took us so long, or at least took me so long, to actually ask Emily to be a, a proper, my proper girlfriend, right? Like, Emily, would be, you would be my girlfriend. It, it was, I was wrestling, <laughs> you be, <laughs> I told her, <laughs> I said, Emily, you be my girlfriend. No, it was a stupid joke. I asked her. But in that, that season, that couple months from when I helped her move to when I actually asked her, uh, I was just, I was going, God, I don't want to step into a relationship if, if, if I'm not ready to, to be able to do both. Right. If I'm not ready and if I haven't learned what it looks like to seek your face. And I was out biking one day and I, I just was spending time in the presence of the Lord. And he just spoke to me and he said, if you do things my way within the relationship, it will only magnify your capacity to glorify my name. And I realized that that through a relationship, it actually started to open me up, open us up to more of the relationship that I have with the Lord, because I first established it within my singleness. Does that make sense? I'm not saying that you can't do that or you can't start to establish that if, if you guys were dating before both coming to Christ or anything like that, but it's also the reason why you shouldn't be unequally yoked. It's because you guys will be, one of them will be fighting for the attention of the other while the other one's trying to press into the Lord, and there's just a lot of weird dynamics that end up happening in there, so... I don't know. That's a pretty Christianese answer, but at the same time, that was the, the walk that I walked. You have anything that you want to add? Um, I think a good, uh, a good practice to have is just to ask God questions, um, specifically like if you are still um, in, a, in a dating relationship with someone, but ask God what he thinks of that person and what he thinks of the relationship, and then um, depending on his answer, if that you know works out and you you know, get to get to marriage, you know, that asking questions never really stops. And it becomes less about me and about the we. Um, what, do you, what do you say about us? What, what's our next step type thing? Um, so I guess that's a pretty practical one, just asking, asking God um, at every step, really. I'll, I'll also say that we invite the Lord into our relationship as much as possible. There's uh, there's not a day that's gone by to where we haven't prayed with each other. We started praying with each other in our dating relationship. I've prayed over uh, Emily's sleep ever since, not ever since we started dating, but shortly after, just due to some things that the Lord showed me. But there, there literally has not been a, a day since that has gone by, except for maybe one day to where, you know, you just you pass out and you forgot or whatever, you know both tired. We came home from traveling or something. Um, but every single day, we invite the Lord into our relationship. We ask for him to, to strengthen our relationship. We thank him for our relationship. But then we also invite us into the relationship with him. So, we, you know, we just look for every opportunity to be able to bring him in and keep him first in our relationship. This is really fast. I just wanted to add to that. This is a story for another time, probably, but two years into Jake and my relationship, Jake actually broke up with me. It was devastating. It was really sad. But different story for a different time. But I just wanted to say that in that process, um, it was one of my brothers, actually, who I was talking to on the phone after he had broke up with me, totally broke my heart. Like, I thought we were going to get married. Um, we did get married, but there was heartbreak in there. But something that, just very practically speaking, is um, to just talk about this question is, it's really how do you keep God first in every area of your life, right? It's not just in your relationships. It's not just in um, 
like it's keeping God first in everything. It's above your family. It's above your children. It's above your career. And one thing that my brother had said that I just really kept in my head and in my heart is he said, like, hold out your hand. When you have a, when you have a relationship, when you have a boyfriend, when you have a girlfriend, you never want to, like, tighten your grip on that person so tight to the point where you're holding them tighter than you're holding your relationship with God and your relationship with Christ. And frankly, I think I was doing that to an extent. And I think Jake felt that to an extent when we were dating for the first two years. So it's, I think just like for me, the visual of just like, okay, God, like you've given me this gift of this relationship or, or this career, whatever it might be, but it's a gift and I'm, I'm not going to hold it so tight that it becomes more about this gift than about you and the gift giver. You know what I'm saying? And so I really think that the month that we were not together, that was something that I was focusing on, and it was really important for me to really just hold out my hands and receive gifts, but not hold those gifts tighter than the gift giver. So anyway, that's what I was going to say. Little, like, super simple, one of the biggest things. Um, the, one of the hardest areas in our culture to keep God first is in your sexuality, and this shows up in your relationships. And you can't say, I keep putting God at the center of my relationship if you're not honoring God with your sexuality. And that's where a lot of people struggle because they want to go, God, you can be God over other things, but I'm going to take charge here. And then they go, why isn't he number one in our relationship? Um, if you're going, God, I want to honor you, then that looks like going, God, I'm going to honor you with how we handle um, our sexuality. When we talk about honoring, I'll just add to that of, of how do we honor God in our relationships? It's, it's seeking to please God more than to fulfill personal pleasure. And, and we, we talked about that a few weeks ago, but it's just a huge deal of, of, our, of the heart posture, you know, of, of what, who are we trying to please and who are we seeking first, you know, and... and and I just think it's such, especially with sex, especially with sexuality, and, and how do you seek God first in relationships? It's honestly a practical is, is developing virtues, values, characteristic, character traits, boundaries that's, that please God. And it's not just saying or saying that you're pleasing God or seeking God first. It's actually putting things in place on a daily basis that you know biblically please God, right? And it's saying these are the boundaries that we're going to have because we know these boundaries please God, right? We're not going to have sex before we're married. Even if we've already had sex, we are not going to have sex before we're married because that pleases God. That's putting God first. We, you know, and you can go down the list, but especially with the area of sexuality, you have to draw the hard line and you have to communicate that hard line and that's how we, you know, especially in the dating process, that's how we please God first. And, and there's all, that's in the dating, but how, when you're single, how do you, you know, how do we please God when we're single? There's, that's a whole other, we could probably talk about that forever, but you can go ahead and Nick. What do you got to say? I, I just wanted to say, obviously, no, no relationship is perfect. Um, the enemy is going to try and take any, any of the areas that you're faltering and the areas that you haven't submitted to the will of God, that you haven't followed through on seeking first the kingdom first, right? Uh, and it's going to try and cover you with shame and guilt. But part of, part of keeping Christ at the center of the relationship is when, when there is falter in the relationship, you actually take it as an invitation to run to the arms of the Father. You know, when, when all of a sudden you experienced anger within your relationship or something that you had watched when your parents and they didn't model, you know, relationships well with you, that comes out. Instead of feeling shameful and guilty, it's actually an invitation to bring your relationship once again to the arms of the Father for him to be able to do his work in you. You guys aren't going to be able to make you a better you or you a better couple it's going to be about taking any of those areas that you go, ooh, we missed it there. Even if, it, even if you're already in a relationship, you guys have had sex or, or whatever that looks like, it's taking that as an invitation to run back to the arms of the Father and going, God, I missed it, but you have the power to transform me, so do your work in our relationship. 
You know, every falter is an invitation to experience God more and strengthen your relationship more, both with you and him and, and the two of you. That's awesome. Next question for us. I like this question. Whoever wrote this one, good job. What are uh, some pitfalls you ran into while dating? What are some pitfalls that you ran into while dating? Ooh. How about this? Even in the pursuit process of, of each other, what are some pitfalls that maybe you ran into? I feel like Daniel and Amanda. Sorry, we just only dated for a few weeks, so yeah. it was kind of a whirlwind. So how about in the process of you being friends? What about being friends? Like, what are some pitfalls that you ran into in that process of Daniel... You liked Amanda, probably wanted to be, your, be in a relationship with her before the three years so, that you were friends. I didn't do things the best. In When we first met, I was taken really quickly. I'm like, wow, she's up here. she came up here to do an internship. She was beautiful. She just walked into my office. I'm like, wow, thank you, Jesus. And <laughs> like, I should get to know her. Um, and we got to know, started getting to know each other really quick. And I'll just say, I was not enough of a man at that point to handle things correctly. And I started to flirt with her in, um, and treat her in a relationship manner where it was very low risk. And I say that is when a guy, instead of going, hey, I really like you, I'd like to pursue a relationship with you, he goes and puts out a flirt and goes, will she put her cards on the table and will she start to respond to me because it protects him? As a man, our job is to protect the girl. And that's why rather than making her put her cards on the table, we should be enough of a man to go, this is, this is what I'm doing. Um, and I started to, to flirt with her and to treat her a little bit. Um, didn't cross any crazy boundaries, but I started to treat her like we were dating. And then I realized, wait, I'm treating her like we're dating. Um, am I ready to date her? And I'm like, I, I would like to, but is that a good idea? And I started praying, and, and there was a couple questions that I had, and I felt like it was a no-go. So um, or at least God wouldn't answer me, and I was really angry that he wouldn't answer me, but nonetheless, he's still God, and I'm not. So um, I, I backed off. I was like, all right, I'm going to watch some things, and, and that took a, a three-year um, spot where we didn't date. And then when we started dating, uh, I knew, or before we started dating, I knew that if I wanted to start dating her, she would be very thrilled. And I did not want to play games with her heart and with her emotions because my job as a man isn't to make the girl put herself emotionally. They're most of the time more emotionally um, vulnerable to start with. And so I got to know her and I could get to know her without putting her emotions on the line because we had the same group of friends, we worked together, and our worlds collided in 90% of the areas that we spent time. And then um, I had questions that I literally had written down going, I need to find a girl who, A, actually I had 25 of them, that needs to, like, I'm looking for somebody who, um, no, for real, like, rather than going, how do I feel right now? Because your feelings are fickle. I'm like, all right, I want someone who loves God. I want someone who I think is fun. I want someone who, who's a learner, someone who can admit it when they make mistakes. I want somebody who at least has an idea of how to handle finances. They don't have to be a millionaire, but I want somebody, like, when I get married, our money's going to become our money. And so I want somebody who can at least, and so there weren't like, oh, she has to be this height, this hair color, and this, like, but it was like, all right, has an idea of how to handle money, knows, um, wants to have kids because I want to have kids, loves Jesus. And there's different things that were on a list. So when I got to know her, I could start going, all right, do I have all of those answered? And then when I decided, you know, hey, we're going to date, I was very intentional and did it well that time, though I would say when we first met, I, I didn't. I wasn't enough of a man yet. <laughs> uh. I think one of the big pitfalls was, I mean, you guys talked about it a couple weeks ago, but uh, I remember, I don't, I don't remember how far into our relationship we were, but we were out in the, the parking lot outside. And uh, I just, uh, the, one of the things I absolutely love about my, my bride is she just says what's on her mind. So <laughs> I go, I think I'm falling in love with you. And she goes, why would you say that to me right now? <laughs> 
<laughs> and and you know one of the pitfalls of just like really really jumping in obviously we did we did low risk for for couple months of really just getting to know each other and then when we were committed to each other it was you know my mindset had kind of changed towards okay now we've made it official now we're moving towards something and uh looking back on it obviously i, I do think that i i had said it a little bit too early and, and then i got a, a good response to show me that i did so <laughs> <laughs> she she wasn't upset she wasn't like i don't know what was going on in your mind <laughs> no i I didn't say it like that. I, I was really just asking why, like, I just wanted to know why you said that. But I know there's no way of saying that very well in that moment, so. <laughs> but. She wanted to know that I was being very intentional. The first time I kissed her, she also asked me, why'd you kiss me? <laughs> it was it, like, she wasn't being mean. Go ahead. No, that's fine. Um, no, that is, yeah, I guess, yeah, that, um, did you, you wanted, you wanted him to clarify. You wanted like, what do you love about me? Is that what you wanted? Like, I should have asked it like that. Me? That's yeah. how I should have said it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <But> what <laughs> do you love about me? Yeah. That's not what I, no, but... Um, what do you love about me? No, I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I said it later. I don't remember when I said it, but... Um, no, yeah, you, you were pretty... You had your emotions out there a little bit, a little bit quicker than me, but... Um, uh, romantic so you are but i love that about you um it was starting to rain too so it was, it was like it started raining just as she said that so it was like one is the lonely and i was just like <laughs> sitting there in my sorrow and and no it was <laughs> it was no. like the notebook that's what you're thinking of right <laughs> i've never seen it um, I think I think what this question is getting at is asking. It, it, I I I could be wrong, but it might be asking about sexuality. Um, and we were we were touching on that earlier. Um, and I was going to mention something about that. Um, so I mean, Nick and I um, we were not virgins when we when we met. Um, you if you didn't know, Nick had a previous marriage. Um, which I just found out about. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's a terrible joke. It's a terrible it's joke. I, go, I say it every time. Um, no, um, we were not virgins. But when we uh, started dating, we made a decision that, you know, we're going to do this God's way. Um, and we did. We um, put God first in that area. And um, one thing that really kind of put things into perspective for us for that was um, when the, I don't remember when we heard this, but um, some mentor telling us, you know, what it is that you do outside of the covenant of marriage is what you're telling them is what you're okay with doing outside of the covenant of marriage, In, inside the covenant, no, but, all, but outside as well. Because it's saying outside the covenant of marriage, because it's saying... I'm okay with doing this out, outside of marriage. So if you connect the dots, right, when we're married, this is, I'm also okay with doing that. It's, it's not, you're not saying that outright, but you are kind of making that decision. So it's just kind of putting that in perspective, like, and, and really showing, you know, the holiness of what, of what is the covenant of marriage. And um, um, so you, you can take that little tidbit. For, your, for yourself, but. Did you guys catch that? Yeah. So if you're saying outside the covenant, we'll do this, even when we're married, outside the covenant, outside of our marriage, you, you know, it brings in a lot of uh, fear within a marriage because you're constantly wondering, well, we did that when we weren't married. Are they doing that with someone else right. when we are married? You know. That's an amazing, like, I've heard Daniel say that. Do you want to share the way? That, I've heard you say that before, a similar thought. Um, would you mind sharing that thought? Also, can we put, can you guys in the sound booth put the timer up there? I, I just want to be able to kind of yeah. know when I'm going too long with my answers. <laughs> um, when you have sex with somebody outside of marriage, you just told them, I'm okay with sex outside of marriage. When you get, sorry, <laughs> I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I just no worries. I shouldn't have um, looked back there. I did not write that. Somebody 
somebody wrote that. When, um, when you get married, there is this constant um, reflection because you've built this foundation. And if you kind of destroy this foundation of trust while you're dating by saying, I'll have sex um, with you, you've just cheated on them with them which is weird, but now when you get married, you've already said, I'm willing to cheat. And so when, whenever there's an opportunity, they're left going, well, when they really wanted sex, what they wanted was more important than what they believed. So what's going to change that? Um, but when you look at them and you go, you know what? This is how I'm going to honor God, and I'm going to honor God and honor him with my sexuality before you get married. You get married, and they go, ah, well, I can trust him. Because when, when I know that they wanted me, when I know that they wanted something, they were more determined to honor God than to just get whatever they wanted. And it builds such a foundation of trust. It's an awesome opportunity that we have to build that foundation before we get married. And I would see even if you have messed up with your with whatever current relationship you're in, starting now, if you were to say, okay, I know we've already done this, but from here on out, I really want to honor God, that can start rebuilding that foundation of trust as over time, before you get married, you're able to say, oh, we're in that situation again. Nope, we're going to honor God. You know, you're able to re-say, okay, we were wrong before, but we can do it right. So don't lose hope if that's you. Also, I want to say, too, I don't, I don't want anybody in here to think that we weren't tempted. There was actually, I mean, there was times where we had gotten very, very close. Uh, but because, because we had set the, the foundation at the beginning and we said, no, it's, it's these guardrails. When you, when you build a belief structure and when you build a, a, you know, like, you know, the game operation, and you hit like the side, and you know, like it, it just like that was what it was like. Okay, I we're we're about to cross over a line that we had drawn at the beginning, and and I need to leave this situation right now. I would say one of the pitfalls that we had fallen into was wasn't we didn't set. Pastor Dwayne talks about this and with the whole guardrails, and you could actually find that on the YouTube. Uh, station for for res. <laughs> I sound like such an on the YouTube station. You can find I sound like <laughs> the YouTube guru, yeah, guru yeah. over there. But if you go to Res Life uh, on YouTube and you just search guardrails, he talks about how a guardrail. When you hit a guardrail, you haven't gone off the road. There's there's a buffer, right? Hitting the guardrail is showing you you still have some margin, but you're heading in the wrong direction. And I would have built the buffer if we would have re you know, made the, you know, to guard ourselves from those pitfalls, I would have built the buffer much, much further. Um, Emily lived in, in Lansing and there was, there was times where I stayed on the couch for the, the overnight in her living room while she was sleeping in the next room. And, and here we are in a, an apartment alone. It wasn't a good, there wasn't enough margin of buffer. Praise the Lord, he gave us the strength to, to persevere through it. And to, when we did get to those points where it was like, oh, we're, we're on the brink, I didn't go off the road. We didn't go off the road. There was still that, <clears throat> but uh, I would say a pitfall to avoid or, or a way to avoid pitfalls is building large margins. What might feel very, very weird of why do we not kiss each other in our relationship? Why do we not? This, this seems like so legalistic. What you're doing is you're actually just building large buffers to where you're not even getting close to those areas. So, and, and I'll just share something real quick. One pitfall that 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 we fell into in our relationship is, I, I would say, is we we became physical. You know, making out. Praise the Lord, we we did not have sex, but we became we came very, 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 very close, and we're not proud of where we went sexually before we got married. Uh, but at the same time, I would say we got sexual, sexually active way too soon, like within the first week of like, my fault, yeah, my fault. When Jay came over that one night, he's like, so I'll probably not even like hold your hand or like no, kiss you or anything that. for a really long time. Yeah, two we, weeks later. Yeah, two weeks later. <laughs> but uh, basically, it just comes down to your, whenever, whenever like if we're in the beginning stages of, of, even if you're not even dating, you're still like in there, well, to use the phrase last week, interview process, and you start kissing, making out, 
Like you've heightened the risk, like right away. Quickest way to heighten risk is to get physical, right? So in the interview process, that's not the time to get physical. Like that is not the time. And so creating strong and clear boundaries is something that if I could go back, I would have done. I would, I would have said, we're not going to be in your apartment alone. We're not going, you know, all those things, which, which really just open the door and make, you, make, make your head go stupid, you know? Like, it's just emotions get the best of you. Really fast, I just want to say this. One of the pitfalls was we dated way too long, too. I'm just going to say that. So, like, we can, like, giggle about how short their relationship was. Like, um... I think a pitfall sometimes can be actually like dating way too long because when you start like kissing two weeks into it, it's like, okay, we're 20 years old and we're not financially able to get married. You know, like that's a pitfall right there. So there you go. Pace yourself. What'd you say? Pace yourself. Pace yourself, yeah. Yeah, we were friends for a long time before we started dating and we were able to see all the things about how we liked each other before going there. Um, but just something, everybody else's reason was super spiritual and good, but mine's not quite as spiritual, sorry. Um, one of the pitfalls I felt like we fell into was um, not maintaining good friendships. After we got married, we kind of fell into this, like, I adore you stage of life. And um, we waited to kiss until our wedding day as well. So it was kind of like everything is literally new. So we didn't leave our apartment really for the first year. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I wish that we, um, not that I would take back anything, but I'm just saying it would have been <laughs> also great to sometimes go out with friends and maintain those relationships. You know, it took us a really long time because a year later we ended up um, getting pregnant and then with babies and everything, life just gets crazy. Um, and that's really a time when you really need friends and people to uplift and encourage and support you. Um, so when you're in the dating process, when you're in the engagement and in marriage, um, be looking for good, strong Christian friends around you and maintain those relationships. Realize that they take work that you can't just say, oh, we'll be friends again later and just never talk to them. <laughs> um, you need to at least once a month be having conversations with people and building those. That's good. So let's uh, hop to the next question. When is the right time approximately to let the person you're interested in know you have been sexually assaulted or that you're not a virgin? Daniel, do you have any thoughts? Nick, do you have any thoughts? Emily, Amanda, that's a good. It's a great question. I don't know if there's like a, a black and white answer, but you know, what are some thoughts that you have around that question? I was not a virgin before we got married, um, and I had been seeing a mentor, someone who was speaking into my life. And when I had talked to her, she had said, "Well, just don't tell him. You know, like you don't. You know, like he doesn't need to know. It doesn't matter. You've been redeemed and you've been restored." And I was like, "Oh, all right." And so for the first, I don't know, probably maybe week that we were, we were only dated for three. It's like um, <laughs> sort of the dating period. Um, but the first week, I didn't tell him. Uh, and it just didn't sit right with me. I was praying about it. I was writing. When she says she didn't tell, there was questions where it should have come up mm. that she skirted. Um, and so it wasn't just like, hey, I didn't walk up and say, hi, this is my past. But she's saying that like in the conversations, she avoided transparency. Yeah, because, I mean, that was the counsel I was given, but it just, I don't know, I just felt yucky about it. It's the best way to describe it. And I was just asking God, I was like, God, what do you say? And God, he said, you're good enough for my son, you're good enough for him. Wow. And I was like, oh, dang, okay. <laughs> and so I was able to tell him, but that brought so much freedom to me and to our relationship to feel like, because I have other friends who didn't tell until they were married. Um, and they have dealt with a lot of insecurity and thinking, would he still have chosen me? And so when I was able to tell him, I mean, a week later, so not right away, but <laughs> pretty close, um, and he still chose me, that really helped to build my foundation of trust in our relationship and to feel like, wow, okay, he really wants me. And I didn't have to later deal with these issues of, I'm dirty, or I'm ashamed, 
because it's all out there. You know, I feel like the enemy really wants us to hide, and he wants us to feel like we're the only ones, and he wants you to feel like, oh, they would never understand. Now, he had never even kissed a girl before. Like, our wedding day was his first kiss ever, you know? So the enemy really tried to tell me, you're not worth it. No, someone like you could never be with someone like him. Wow. But he's a liar. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wanted to do that to our relationship from the very beginning. But God's way is truth. And he says that he's going to make light all the dark places. He's going to bring everything to the light. So really being able to be transparent with each other, as soon as you're putting out the risk of, I want to be in a relationship with you, I think is really valuable and able to bring a new level of unity to your relationship as well and to say, give them an opportunity to... I mean, maybe they need to process it. The first time I told him part of my story, he was like, whoa, okay, I need to, I need to go think, and I need to go pray. <laughs> so, so don't be offended if you do have a past. If the person you're with doesn't, or if they do and they just have a hard time processing it. Um, sometimes if people haven't gone through something, it's, it's hard for them to process my whole backstory. <laughs> I've been through more than a lot of people have. Done bad choices, you know, like just different things. Um, so allowing that, um, having the grace for them, being able to say, okay, remembering in your mind, like, I'm good enough for Jesus, I'm good enough for you. Don't let it get to your head. You know, don't let it get to your heart of thinking, I'm not good enough, I can't do this. Yeah, so I wouldn't give you a day that it has to be that you tell them, but like as she said, making sure that everything is in the open before you get married um, is the like the one side that you need to have told them by, and then you shouldn't walk up to everybody. Hi, this is my deepest darkest secret. Like that's that's not a good way to start um, conversations. Not date one. And um, can can I just pause and say you guys were you guys had known and were friends for how long before? Three years. Three. So there was a lot of trust in history before you started dating. Yep. And you were in a committed, defined relationship. Yeah. And when we started, before we started dating, she'd been working for me as my assistant for six months. And so <clears throat> if we started dating, there wasn't going to be a low risk section. Like we already knew each other really well. And because we were working together, as soon as we started dating, if it was to break up, it would make work really awkward. And so I had to play this a little bit differently because of our work relationship which is one of the reasons that I waited <clears throat> as long as I did. And then by the time we started dating, um, I already knew everything I needed to know. I had like two questions that I wasn't going to find out through observation and hanging out through church and friends. Um, I knew most everything already. So when we started dating, it was already like I'd been praying going, okay, I've got a green light. So our dating was super condensed, but there was, there was some reason for that. I agree that Dating super long is just opening yourself up for um, temptation, but I don't think that everyone needs to be on the three-week dating plan. Um, <clears throat> but there, there was a reason that we'd, um, that I'd waited as long, and by the time we started dating, I was, I was ready. I mean, it took me three weeks, and that was because I had to get her dad's permission. I had to buy a ring, order the ring, get it custom made, get it back, plan out the proposal, and execute proposal. So, like, <clears throat> it was a busy three weeks. <laughs> Um. It, it was a little bit different for us because I was, I was interning at Access and I had recently shared my testimony. So part of my testimony was how God brought me through the, the divorce that I went through and everything. So it was actually still in the interviewing process or the courting process or that low risk before we had actually started dating that we were... Again, Emily was working out in, uh, in Lansing, so we were actually walking around kind of the, the backside of the Capitol courtyard when uh, she asked me to clarify a little bit more on the divorce and everything. And um, that was probably, I don't know, two weeks before we had actually started dating, but it was, in, it was in that process of really getting to know each other that there was clarification being asked. And as we were getting to the point where we were getting closer to ask each other, or me asking her out, um, you know, we were, we were sharing a little bit more of our testimony with each other and, and sharing a little bit more of what the Lord's done in our lives and what he's brought us through. So it kind of naturally came up within that. Uh, and it was, it was part of that process for us. So, um, 
Yeah, there's no week 16 you tell them or anything like that. It's just kind of going, I don't know, whenever it, whenever it makes sense to tell them, you know. But don't wait until you're married, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. I think that's great, great insight there on that, on that question. Um, we'll go to the next one. Let's, uh, uh, let's do these next two questions, and then I think let's wrap up. And I think that'll be good for these next two questions. Um, how do you know if you are ready for dating and or marriage? How do you know if you're ready? Abby, do you have any thoughts on this one? Sure. I, I guess I first think extremely practically. Um, if you're a man, I would say if you're ready to marry a woman, um, you have a plan. You have a plan, whether it be a uh, uh, financial plan slash work plan. Maybe you're finishing up college. Maybe you're finishing up like some kind of a training or trade school or something like that. So that's like a very practical thing, I would say. Um, I'm not saying you, you shouldn't maybe take a gal on a date, like a more lower-risk date or a few dates before that time comes. But I definitely think... Um, that if you're going to be dating a woman, that it's best to have a plan. And um, kind of like we said earlier, it's just really hard to date for an extended period of time. It just really is hard. It was really hard for me, especially, um, to to because I was in a season of life where I was probably more ready to get married. I was working um, like full time, and Jake was still in college. So, anyways, not. I mean, we were young. We were probably immature, but. Um, yeah, just have a plan. As a, as a man, I would have a plan. And then as a woman, I would say same thing. I mean, have a plan. Don't just be uh, waiting around for Prince Charming or the pizza delivery man to come. Um, be pursuing God and be, um, yeah, just be doing what, just be doing what you feel like God has called you to do. And um, don't just sit there and wait. I don't know. Does that answer any other thoughts? Um, oh, did you want? Okay. Um, for me, um, I wasn't. I wasn't ever single for very long, which is not a good idea, by the way. Um, <laughs> you probably, yeah. You need. You need that time with God. Um, I kind of had a lot of um, jumping from relationship to relationship. I did have some time of singleness, and I kind of went about it as like well, I don't want to miss out on an opportunity. Instead of actually looking at the person and thinking clearly, <laughs> um, you know, and I should have, what I should have done um, was listen to God. I was asking God, what do you say about this person? But I wasn't listening to his answer. Um, he had given me a promise when I was 16 and he gave me a description of the man that I would marry. Um, he didn't say man bun, but um, <laughs> he didn't have a man bun when I met him. But um, and it wasn't it wasn't like a very physical description. It was characteristics. Um, and I sadly I don't remember everything, every little thing. But it was about a very godly man. So after that. I was jumping from relationship to relationship, and every time I asked him, well, what do you say about this one? And he would say, don't settle for less than my promise to you. Notice he never said yes or no, um, but he reminded me of his promise. Um, but I knew what I should have done, and I spent years of making mistakes and <laughs> going through terrible emotional things that I later needed to find healing from. And... Um, but there was a time where I had gotten out of some terrible relationships, and um, I found myself, me and God, and I remember a day when I looked over at my bookshelf and I saw the book Captivating, um, and God said to me, you need to read that now. I hadn't read it yet. I just put it on the bookshelf. He's like, you need to read that now. He's coming soon. Um, so, and I, luckily I listened and it's not that that book is the answer for everything. It was just what, what I needed at the time. 
So that's how I knew I wasn't ready yet. Um, and for that, I would say hearing God for your, for your life is vitally important. Um, hearing God's voice, because he does speak. We believe that God still speaks, right? He speaks specifically to you about your life, and he will if you ask him, um, especially when it comes to who you're going to spend your life with. So um, that's what I would say. I would also say uh, this is this is one of the reasons why we push mentorship so much. It's having somebody in your life that you've submitted yourself to, to their authority, who who watches you from a third party perspective, from a third person perspective, can see beyond your blind spots, right? A godly mentor, uh, and then and then bringing the question to them. I remember when so I was interning, and uh, Pastor Kurt Ains was was the pastor of Access back then, and I'd gone up to him and I said, "Hey, uh, I'm interning for you. I've submitted myself to you. I'm interested in Emily." Um, one, do you think I'm at a point to where, to where it'd be healthy for me to start dating? And two, uh, you know, when you look at the two of us, is there anything that you would like to point out? And, and I brought myself completely ready to hear whatever he was going to say. And then, you know, not that he had the ultimate voice on my life, but at the same time, he was somebody who had my best interest in mind and, and I could actually bring myself to them to hear uh, I've done that with multiple, multiple young men of, of just mentoring them, and they've brought their uh, a potential relationship to me. And I could either say, yeah, you know, I think that that would be a great step for you, or, you know, here's some blind spots that you might want to be aware of. Uh, mentorship, both guy and gal, everyone out here should have a mentor in your life. So that way you could bring yourself to them and go, what do you think? Do you think I'm ready? And, and make sure that they're a God-fearing, God-listening to mentor, but they could really point out some things that you might be oblivious to in your life. He said, he said, you were, you were a go. He said, yeah, yeah, I think you should ask her out. So I did. <laughs> it wasn't Dan like that, but yeah, yeah. Daniel and Randa, any, any thoughts on when do you know you're ready to date or get married? Maybe focus on the dating aspect. So when do you know you're ready to date? I just feel like she really pointed out what I would like to point out was having that relationship with God. If you're able to have that deep relationship with God where you're hearing his voice and you're able to spend time with him and you've already built that foundation yourself, um, yes, of course, having money and being ready to leave the house is a good, but um, and pacing yourself, knowing that you're, if you're five years away from ever wanting to get married, probably not the best time to start looking for a wife. Um, <clears throat> just because you don't want to date forever, it's just not wise. Um, but I think if you have that relationship with God and you have someone, good, strong Christian friends in your life, I think you should seek strong Christian friends and mentors in your relationship with God before you're seeking a significant other because you want people around you to support you through these decisions and to be able to give you wise advice like Nick mentioned. Um, then I would say your next step is to look. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Just the pacing yourself. If you, if you want to get married at 20, then you're ready to start dating sooner. If you don't want to get married until you're 25, then you don't want to start dating um, as soon as you graduate high school. Like It's a matter of going, <clears throat> how long do I want to date and how close to being ready to get married am I? Um, you don't have to have everything in your life figured out before you get married. Some people are determined that they have to finish college, pay off college. You're like, you're going to be like 60 by the time you're ready to get married. Um, like, you don't have to have everything, but you need to know that this, the second as a man I get married, I need to go, hey, I, may, I have a plan, like, kind of like Abby said, this is what I'm, I'm planning. And if, if there's still education that's happening, I need to know that I just started a family and it's the two of us, but when we get married, we're doing things, and she could get pregnant. There's a lot of things that they call birth control, but all of them have a failure rate. Um, <laughs> I have a relative who's got several kids that is like, well, this method failed, this method failed, this method failed, and uh, um, many of their, of their kids showed up that way in that timing. And all that to just say, if, if you're getting married and you've got a plan, you have to know, if I get married and she gets pregnant, my plan's going to edit. 
And if I'm going to resent that, then I'm not ready to get married. Um, I need to be ready to go, okay, we're going to do this, and this is going to be the plan. But if we get married, things could happen, and I'm okay with that because I'm, you're worth it, and I'm ready for that. That's awesome. So I know I said we were going to do two more. I think just for time's sake, I think we're going to wrap it up right now. Can I ask one question? And this is a question that I didn't, I didn't see up there, but I, I think it's a quick enough one to, to ask. And it's one that I think a lot of people have a, a perspective on it or are looking for perspective on it. Is there just one person... Did God just create one person? Is there the, the Daniel's got this the one. one. <laughs> Daniel's got this one. I've been asked this before. <laughs> if there was just one person, you're up a creek. Because somebody a hundred years ago messed this thing up. And then everybody's off. Because the wrong person married the right person, and then they started having kids, and somebody married their kids that weren't supposed to be because they married the wrong person, and then there was a car accident once, and like it would all be messed up if it was just this one person that you had to find. But there is definitely people that'll make it easier. <laughs> and so you, there's things that you need to find. You go, hey, I need to find someone who honors God. I need to find somebody. Um, and there's different character things that you need to find. And you need to like the person that you find. There are, I've seen people who are like getting married and they're like, oh, they're okay. Don't marry somebody who's okay. <laughs> like, um, you need to be excited about the person that you're going to marry. If you wish they were somebody else, don't marry them. Amen. Um, I've talked to people and they're like, well, I can't get her, so I'm going to marry her. I'm like, if you're dreaming about her, don't marry her. That's not nice. Um, like, so, <clears throat> I'm going to get off my soapbox. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Preach it. But yeah, just finding, going, okay, if, and I asked God be before and, and I took direction, but I really felt like God, there was things that he laid out and realized that I could get married to different people, and it would work. I'm like, oh, God, that's great. But which one? <laughs> um, and I, and I, I looked for, for his direction, and, and we've got cool, fun stories that we'll have to share another time. If you guys have questions after we finish, all of us would love to, to chat and to answer questions. But this big thing of going, okay, are they a person of character? Is God number one? Because that's going to come, has to be the foundation, and that matters more than anything else. And we go through going, if God is absolutely number one and we're willing to submit our life to God, part of doing that is going, I'll admit that I'm wrong and I'll honor God. I'm going to treat you the way that God says to treat you no matter what you do because that's what God said to do. And you're going to do the same. If you'll get married with that, you can make it work. Mm -hmm. And then the more of these other character issues that you solve out ahead of time, the easier and the more fun marriage will be. Um, most people don't get married with and have marriage problems. They have single problems. So, and then they get married. So they bring in their money issue. They bring in their anger issue. They bring in their porn issue. They bring in all these different issues into their marriage, and they wonder why they have marriage issues. So while we're single, we try to work on those, and we find somebody else who's working on those and going, I want to honor God. Then you can have an incredible marriage, and marriage can be so, so much fun. I so love being married. And I try setting people up all the time because I just love being married. And I, I enjoy it. And you can, but you want to do it well because as a pastor, I've done plenty of marriage counseling and I've done plenty of talking to people who are getting divorced and who are divorced because they got married because they were horny, not because they had actually were seeking God, not because they'd worked through um, and go, God, I want to honor you in my relationship. They were just going, what can I get from this relationship? And that kind of a marriage is self-centered, and a self-centered marriage doesn't last. I think that's a good way to end. Thanks for ending that way, Daniel. Hey, uh, can, we just, uh, can we just pray for you, for you guys before we, uh, before we close here? And once again, what I, what I was just thinking about with all these questions, there's like, you know, like 90 questions or 84 questions, is, uh, is I, I'm... I'm I'm throwing Daniel and Nick on the spot, maybe, and, and 
I'm thinking maybe we should do a, like an Instagram live video where we uh, where we just kind of work through these questions, and just so that so that people who ask these questions don't feel like, well, I didn't get my question asked or answered, and so that we can uh, we can do that in the future. I probably just totally dug myself a hole, and now we have to follow through on that, and that's why I'm doing it. So uh, Nick's like, we don't got time for that, man. We ain't got time for that. Well, now we got to make it happen. Hey, uh, we love you guys. Let me just pray for you guys as we, as we close. So, Father, we just thank you. We first of all thank you for Jesus. We thank you that, God, that his, his sacrifice, we think that his love, God, and that his spirit that is now here and with us, God, draws us into connection, God, into acceptance in you, God. And I pray for every individual in this room, whether they are married, whether they are dating, whether they are engaged, whether they are single, God, that you would be their portion, that you, God, would satisfy their deepest needs on the inside. And God, I pray that your spirit would lead and guide us as we walk through the waters of dating and relationships and ultimately moving to marriage. God, we thank you for marriage, that you created it, you designed it, and that it is good. And I pray, God, that as we move from, from today and as we move on in our future, God, that we would walk in the steps and walk in the ways that you have for us. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, guys. Have a great rest of your night, and we'll see you guys on Sunday morning.